Hey, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to send them a copy of my book. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. Let's begin. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, Happiness Through Hardship, a guide for cancer patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you've liked these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. Or reach out to us at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. We love connecting and sharing healthy lifestyle resources. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest on Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, Tracy Foster. Tracy is the co-founder and executive director for Start, a nonprofit organization dedicated to guiding parents through the digital world. Start offers a variety of resources to families, including a group study program, books, videos, a podcast, blog, and playbooks to help parents be mentors and guides for their kids who are this generation of digital natives. Tracy's an expert in this space, having co-authored two parent guides titled Screen Sanity Group Study and Social Media Playbook. Her work has been featured in multiple news outlets, including the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and has been named to Ingram's 40 Under 40 list. Tracy comes from a highly acclaimed career developing growth strategies for some of the world's leading organizations. On a project with a toy company, she was fascinated by the power of play in children's emotional, social, and cognitive development. This fueled her passion to rethink cultural norms around technology. And today, I am thrilled for her to share some of her insight and expertise. Welcome! Karen, thank you so much. It is my pleasure to be here. It's such an honor. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. As we were talking about earlier... This podcast is for so many people out there that have kids. By the way, I'm sure we'll learn a lot even if you don't, but 
when I think of myself as being pretty tech savvy, I mean, having, I run a podcast, I run like a digital media company and, and I've been on these platforms for a number of years now, right? Yeah. Our kids are one step ahead of us and they're so, they've been raised with this. And so because of that, you always, I've always kind of felt like I've been trying to catch up. And now that my son's a teen, I think it's especially important. And so I have so many questions. I know my friends have so many questions. And by the way, I'm sure everybody listening out here, if you have questions, we will surely be posting show notes where there are resources as well as connecting with us on social media to ask those questions. But um, what I want to do is I really think I want to just dive in here, can you level set for us, like whether it's providing stats or stories about the relationship that our families have with digital platforms? Yes, Karen, I would be happy to. And I am one of the moms and dads and, and other caregivers for kids living this in my own life. So we are just in the trenches. We are this first generation of parents helping this first generation of digital natives. Um, a few stats that I think can be helpful for level setting. Number one, you are not alone. National surveys show that screens and technology are the number one battleground in homes across the country. Number one battleground. The primary ways that parents and kids are duking it out or feeling tension is coming from these wonderful devices that create so many magical moments that are causing this tension. So that's one thing. Actually, I'm going to ask you, Karen, when you were a little girl, picture yourself maybe in elementary school. What did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? I'm guessing it wasn't a podcaster because that career didn't exist. Right. I will tell you, I say a lot. Anybody from Minneapolis, I wanted to be Pat Miles. She was the anchor of the local news station. And she just, I thought she was amazing. That's awesome. And so you think when we were kids about how it was a news anchor or the weather man or weather woman. I mean, that was a very popular thing or a nurse or an astronaut or all of these different things, a teacher, right? And so one of the most remarkable things now is that 86% of teens expressed that they would love to be a social media influencer. And even as young as kindergarten, the number one career when they make the, when they draw a picture of what they want to be when they grow up at that age, number one is YouTuber. Those are not necessarily bad things. We can talk more about some of the challenges and dynamics that come with them, but that is a massive shift. It shows the power and the focus that our kids are having on this. And in conjunction with that, studies also show that only 14% of kids express that they have ever had a helpful or productive conversation with any trusted adult about their digital world. So our kids are living out their lives, their relationships, their careers, aspirations, all of these different things online, but they're doing it without anyone to help hold their hand, to help provide that, that way forward. And so that's really why we exist is to flip that 14% number and say, hey, we may not know the hottest app. I get questions so often. Just yesterday, someone said, what do you think about this new app? I just heard about it from my high schooler. And I was like, ooh. Okay, that's new. I need to learn. So we're always going to be having new things that evolve, but we don't want our kids to be going through this without the mentorship and guidance that we provide in almost every other area of life. So that's just a little bit about our situation. There's so many other things like loneliness and anxiety and depression, but yeah. 
Well, and and that's a story I think we're seeing really recently, especially as as we're um, you know navigating this uh, pandemic into endemic space of how connected to technology many of us became, especially our kids, and there are benefits from it, uh, but there also are some challenges. And I'll say when I was when I I found you guys through Instagram, and when I started See, technology looking, technology is not all bad. We're not right. anti-tech, right? It can do right. good things. And, and that's where I, I think what I love is that is that you're not, you're right, you're saying that you're not anti-technology because that's the way of the world now. You are helping parents become the experts that they want to be, or at least providing all these different resources on whatever platform makes sense. Like I don't read books as much as I'd like to, but I listen to podcasts a lot and you've got a podcast. So I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to talk a bit about all these resources you have. Can you talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you were saying what kids were saying, but what are those top principles that when somebody reaches out and says, all right, I know I need to make changes, but where do I start? What do you tell parents? At the top of that, at the tip of the sphere, I would say the number one thing is thinking about how technology is supporting your values and where it's standing in the way. Because one of our biggest beliefs is this is not something that's prescriptive. I think so many topics in parenting can be just so judgy. How do you approach sleep? How do you approach feeding? How do you approach the number of sports your kids can play per season or per year or whatever? I mean, it's just like, oh my goodness. And on this topic, I think one of the most important things is to say, hey, for your own sake, as well as to be able to have that conversation with your kids, where, where is technology really serving you well and where is it not? And then that puts it back in each person's corner. And, and it's surprising when we do group events, a lot of people are feeling the same pain points. But to start with that, it helps to take off the rose-colored glasses and helps you kind of start to notice some of the different tensions. And you notice which ones are bothering you more than others. You notice Gosh, I mean, I heard a story just last week about, and, and we're never going to always be on it. We're not encouraging people to, to put down their tech to become helicopter parents necessarily, right? That's they're, they're, We're not always going to give all of our attention to our kids. But just last week, I was talking with someone who shared a story about how his kiddo loves soccer, probably somewhere in elementary school age, has played all these years, is terrible at soccer, but loves soccer. And there was just this like magical moment where the clouds parted and somehow the kid got the soccer ball with a completely unguarded goal. And all he needed to do was just literally, I mean, he was super, just kick the ball and it would go in. The boy kicked the ball. It went in. It was his first goal in five years of playing soccer. And immediately he looked to his dad on the sidelines and his dad was on his phone. And his wife was like poking him. And let's be clear, there could be lots of reasons. There could be doctors who are getting paged. There could be people who are sending a text message to help make sure that their elderly parent or neighbor is dealing with a situation. There's no shortage of good things. But for him in that moment, he was literally scrolling Instagram. Okay? So it's just one of those things where if you start to pay attention to, hey, what are, what is it that I want to be? Because we feel so often like if you don't stand for something, then you just fall for anything. And these tech companies are fighting so much for our time and attention. And so if this also is powerful because I hadn't done this until I started going through this work, but I had never articulated in my own family, what are some of our values? 
And how are the how are we living those out in a variety of different ways? How are we celebrating the way that one of our kids showed generosity or kindness or hospitality or whichever one of our values it might have been? And then how can we call them more fully into it? And that's where we really feel like we can show that tech is a tool. It's a tool to help us live out our best self. And we want to help take away the places where it's standing in the way of the things that we think are best for ourselves. All right. So if I love that because I think to myself, well, ah, there's times I'm on my phone a lot when I'm posting Instagram for pretty wellness or for happiness, the hardship, the podcast. And there's other times I'm, you know, scrolling for whatever reason. However, there's so many other screens in our house, not just our phone, whether it's the iPad and that could be for reading a book or that could be for doing work. There's the computer, there's uh, you know, we're just connected in so many ways. And so to may have that conversation with your significant other, your family, about what do we value and how we want to use that, like that does seem like, all right, so this is the, this is what we need to figure out what our family call it. You know, I don't know if it's rules. Some people are not into rules. Some people, you know, some people are. Uh, but I, I guess I want to get a little granular here saying, okay, so now we know that we want to be a little bit more present in each other's lives, but we're so used to these habits of having all the various screens. My kid gets off his video game, which he's been on for how long? And then he gets on his phone and then he gets off his phone and he's like, okay, I'll come and I'll hang out with you guys. And then we watch a show on TV. So we're talking tech, 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 tech. I don't want to say what's normal because there's no such thing as normal, right? It's all how we choose to define what's best for us, really. But knowing that they're, that kids in many cases are so uber connected, what kind of advice can you give to parents to, um, whether it's change the narrative or, or change what you've been doing in your house when you've already been doing this for years and that's maybe been okay other than the battle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have five, key things that we kind of call our rules of thumb. One of them is particularly coming to mind here, which is called tables and bedtimes. So our rules of thumb spell out our name, S-T-A-R-T. So this is the second one, tables and bedtimes. But it's really about device-free zones. And this is one of the places that we think is the easiest place to start. Because I think it's worth mentioning that if you feel like this is out of control in your house, maybe you're a personality that loves to just do a massive detox and you go all the way. But in general, what we find is just take one step just start to experiment with improving the biggest friction that you feel in your house and see how that goes and celebrate that success and then maybe take something else on. We don't feel like you need to throw all of your tech in the lake. That's not going to be effective. And so one of the best places to start, I think, is with thinking about device-free zones. Because we are all, like you said, Karen, we are all on our devices all the time. And um, just like our devices need to and get to recharge, so should we. And so there are two places that we would recommend starting with device-free zones as options. You don't need to do both of these, but you can also really customize it for your family. The first one is considering saying, we are going to make mealtimes device-free. And let's be honest, if you haven't been doing this, this will be a fight. And um, it will take multiple days of doing it with consistency, enduring the grunts and the grumbles and all of that. But Every single person, I mean, this is like we've had thousands and thousands of people go through a program. Every person who's chosen, hey, I want to try that within about a week, they share that it's just been so transformative, but it will take a week. It will take a little bit of that fighting through. 
But that can be so powerful because then it just gives you a space to, hey, I know. We, and, and your question about how do you present it? I think it can be fair to say, hey, I noticed I am just, I have Zoom fatigue. I have my screen fatigue. I'm on screens all the time, just like they get put in a charging station. Let's put them in a charging station and have some family charging time. And so we're going to try that at dinner or we're going to try it at um, a baseball game that we all go to or whatever it might be. But there are unbelievable benefits of having a family meal together. And I personally, this is not my strength. I am very grateful. It does not have to do with it. It does not need to be gourmet. It does not need to be organic. It does not need to be a homemade meal. It can be Chipotle. It can be whatever you want. It can be Kraft mac and cheese. But what makes it so powerful is the eye to eye. And it it influences so many positive outcomes for our kids. Kids who have meals, it doesn't need to be every night. But when you have some of those family meals where you're making connection, it helps improve your sense of identity, your sense of responsibility. It makes you less likely to have all sorts of negative types of outcomes in terms of health and, and poor behavior choices and things like that down the line. So maybe saying, hey, we're going to carve this out as one thing. The second place that we also talk about can be one of the best places, especially if you have kids who already do have a lot of devices, is to remove devices from the bedrooms. That could, I could say, period, remove devices from the bedroom. There are lots of benefits for that. But if you're looking for a place just to start removing them from the bedroom overnight is one of my biggest recommendations because um, 80%, this was even before the pandemic, I'm eager for data since the pandemic, but 80% of kids are using their phones, who have phones in the room, are using their phones when they're supposed to be sleeping. And that is not good even if they're doing quote unquote good things, right? So, I mean, one of my kids is learning French using Mango Online. Awesome. C'est bon. That's great. I'm happy for him. Okay, that's about as far as I can go. I haven't been doing it with him. But I've heard a few things. Très bien. That's what I should have said. Okay. Je parle un peu français. Ah, I speak a little oui. French. Bonjour. I think I took, I took eight years um, and I, I maybe I can say slightly more, but uh, <laughs> but I understand. I understand. So, um, so, okay, your son's doing Mango Online. That's amazing. However, it sounds like you're going to say. However, we told him it was time he had to go to bed and he literally planned to wake up at midnight and do more Mango. And in a sense, as a parent, you could be like, wow, that's great. No, that is not good because sleep is the number one factor of mental wellness. Okay. So if we can just help our kids to sleep, we work a lot with mental health centers, school counselors, police officers. One of the most important things is let our kids sleep, even if they're doing something good, like learning French on mango. But the second thing is it might start as doing French on mango, but our impulse control is just so much lower when we're in in privacy, when we're late, when it's late, when we're tired, all of those different things. So, so many of those things that end up really causing problems happen late in the, in the bedroom. You know, a lot of nudes, we joke sometimes that not very many nudes are taken in someone's kitchen. <laughs> we have, we have heard stories of stuff where one parent was able to identify, oh my gosh, I know exactly who that is. That's my best friend's countertop in the background. And it was like, ah, but um, in general, if you can try to get devices out of the bedrooms overnight, it'll be so good. And one of the tenets of our program is to try to do all of these things, lead with these things with empathy and curiosity. So to say, hey, I noticed 
And, and this is an interesting issue because a lot of the issues of parenting are things where let's hope that we are more developed than our kids. Like I don't spill food on myself as much as my kids do. Okay. But on this topic, we have vulnerability because we are still learning. We aren't nailing it. And there can be so much reputational connection and increased buy-in that comes from leading with vulnerability and saying, hey, you know what I noticed? Three times last week, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I checked my phone and then I couldn't fall back asleep because I was so stressed about something I saw. Or the last thing that I looked at before I went to bed was the social media post. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So, hey, why don't we try to put our phones in, in the hallway? We're not going to keep them in our bedroom or whatever. So there are some ways to share it where you're also experimenting with it and not just putting it as a mandate. I love that. I love because, again, with so much with parenting, sometimes it feels like it's right or wrong. And in this case, you know, we didn't do this years ago. There are plenty of things I'll say, oh, you know, Grandma Judy, that's my mom. Like I'll, I'll say to Kyle, this is what Grandma Judy and I did. This is what we said. And it makes sense to me because that's how I was raised. Or, you know, and very often this as well, that's the way she did it. And I don't want to do it that way. So we're going to do it this way, right? But when we're talking about these various devices, you know, Grandma Judy didn't even have a TV in her room until whatever time. And by the way, when I started watching TV, we were walking up to change channels. I'm, I feel like this is super dating me. I'm not that old. But nonetheless, we all know that, you know, and, and to your point, like the greatest app, the newest technology, it's changing so fast in front of us. So to be able to be a little vulnerable and, you know, talk to our kids about, you know, this is an adventure or this is something we're working on together could be really powerful now, I, I, I do have a, a, I feel like a lot of parents that I'll talk to will say, my kids are telling me that X, Y, Z is the only way to communicate or I don't have anything to talk to my friends about if, you know, they're not on TikTok or YouTube or, or all this. How, like, how do you advise whether it's the kid or the parent to navigate navigate those waters because, you know, maybe some parents and I, maybe I'm one of them because my kid's not on Instagram or Snapchat. He is on YouTube. I think that's where I started to um, feel like that might work for him because he loves baseball too. And he created his own baseball channel. But how, how do you, how do you talk to parents about their resistance? Like we're not even going to go there because maybe there's fear, whatever the reason might be, but their kids are pushing back like, but mom, I'm not going to be able to talk to my friends because I'm not seeing the videos or I'm not knowledgeable in this or, or my kids are all hanging out somewhere and I don't know where they are. Mm -hmm. Great question. I think this is one of the biggest tensions. I'm going to start with an answer that's like my dream. And then I'll say something that's more point along the path. My dream and part of what everyone on Start's dream is, is to not go this alone as a parent because our kids will play us whether or not that's true. Um, so one time we were doing an in-person session in a school and someone raised their hand and said, you know, I really didn't want to get my kid a phone in whatever grade, um, but I knew that I had to because my kid told me everyone else in their friend group was getting that phone. 
And what was so crazy, we've had this happen multiple times, but I remember the first time it happened because it was just like shocking. The, the person who raised her hand, the, ki- the other parents in that kid's friend group were sitting in the room. And when that parent shared that question, all these hands went up, like four other hands went up and said, are you kidding me? I didn't want to get my kid a phone either, but they said everyone was getting a phone. So I think one thing is the more that we as parents, and I think it's real, can come together on this, we can start to create a future where our kids aren't the only one because most parents are falling into saying yes to those things for the exact reason you said, which I feel this pressure too, as a mom of even just recently, our local basketball team played in the NCAA tournament. KU, let's go Jayhawks. I feel bad to anyone from North Carolina, but let's go KU. And, you know, one of my kids who's younger said every the, the game started at 9.20 p.m. Eastern time, which I just think is cool. Can we do a podcast about the fact that these people need to, when they plan the World Series in these games, think about the kids. Okay, but so one of my kids came home and said, every single kid in my class is staying up to watch the entire game tonight. And it's like, I, there is no way that that is true, right? So anyways, it happens in lots of parts of life. But I do think part of why we've designed some of our resources to be something that you can come together as a group is this is a topic that we really would be so much stronger together. And so many of us are are falling towards it because it's just what everyone else seems to be doing. And I think part of why that happens is because none of us have a good way to start that conversation with other parents. None of us want to seem like we're being the know-it-all who, um, you know, is trying to tell everyone else that they're making poor choices. So we try to create some of our blogs or the screen sanity program to say, Hey, start having those conversations because the number one best thing for this, and this isn't ideal in many cases is if you can get ahead of it so that your kid's not the only one. Now, those situations will arise. It's a reality. And one of the things that I would say is we think about screen time, not just as quantity, but the quality And so there are three types of screen time in our minds. Time when you're creating, which almost everything you shared, Karen, earlier is creating. I mean, what you're doing with podcasting and your business and all of these different things, right? That is creating. Then there is connecting. And I would say connecting is especially when it's more active connecting, not just scrolling and liking posts, but it's when kids are playing video games together. I mean, I have one of my best friends, their sibling, the the aunt and uncle to their kids live in Europe right now. They're in the military and their kids play video games with the kids in Europe and they're talking and they're building this relationship over the ocean. And it's amazing. So thinking about what app it is that really does help your kid connect, because it is true. Some kids really connect with some of them, but then starting to think about which of these are just consuming. Um, And so ideally, you know, a lot of this, we talk about this phrase of digital health, Because we really think that just like we think about our physical health or our mental health, we're starting to have our health deeply affected by what we do digitally. And just like the old school food pyramid, which I know is now like a circle or a plate or whatever, it's no longer a food pyramid that would date us so much, like you were talking about earlier. But when we start to have more of the junk food-like elements, it's not bad. I, um, I I I love chocolate. I love all sorts of different sweets. But I also know that if I eat too much of it, I don't feel good. And so I think helping our kids to understand, hey, okay, you want to see, you want to be on TikTok because you want to see some of these trends. Hey, maybe at the beginning, let's watch it together. And let's just, let's just plan to go on for five minutes. 
or, okay, let's Google what are the top trends and we'll pay attention to those key things, but we're not going to let ourselves just fall into it, like trust fall style and just let it take us. So I don't know. It's so hard, but those are a few thoughts that come to mind about the challenge. And, and can I tell you I, what I love that you said is, is sometimes when we say we, I'll talk about myself. It's like, oh, you know, you're on a screen again. You're on a screen again. And it, it's magnificent in, in the sense of there's so much of it. Right. But when you're talking about creating and connecting, I had mentioned to you, I was very hesitant to put my son on social media and he loves creating baseball videos. My husband works in the digital space and my husband taught him how to use Final Cut Pro. So he started creating these videos and was really excited about it because this kid loves baseball. So where do you put all that? Where do you share that? And it's on YouTube. And at first I'm like, oh, it's not even social media. That's fine. But what was interesting is it's connected. I, I see the email, the comments. I, I have access to them. And while some of it might be his friend saying, good job, buddy, not in that voice, of course, but there might be somebody who we don't know, we don't even know what their demographic is that wrote something, not terribly mean, but even so to my kid who's brand new to all this, who's proud of what he's doing, it was a little startling. And so I'm so glad that I saw the notification and I actually have had a few conversations with him. And it's almost like a mantra where I'm saying, please do this because you love it, not for the numbers. Now that's, I think what I've been struggling a little bit. Like he's so excited. Like, mom, I have 50 subscribers. Oh mom, now I have a hundred subscribers. He's got like 300 something subscribers now um, because people love baseball shorts or baseball videos, which is great. But I'm trying to balance that, uh, I want you to love the, and the connection part of it is while he learned how to do it on this professional platform, one of his best friends came to him and was like, oh, look at this app. And now his friend is doing it too on an app. And now my son's actually choosing to do it on the app. So he's been able to create, he's been able to connect. I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't mean to do something right, but it kind of, you know, it's fallen upon us. And, and We've also been there to communicate with him about it. Um, But can you give me some advice, give me personally some advice, but also the other parents out there that do have a kid that's creating and then it has, whether it's a troll or somebody Mm -hmm. that's saying negative things about whatever it is. Like, how would you advise the parent to guide the kid through that? Mm -hmm. Um, oh, so many things. I mean, this is one of the things that I think is so hard about the reality for kids. We oftentimes say that parents express that this is, it's even harder to be a parent now than ever before. And we think it's because it's even harder to be a kid than ever before, because those things, when you and I were young and we would do something like maybe we'd see that someone was whispering off in the background or someone would say, oh, someone said something mean, but no one had the exposure to just say these mean cutting comments. And it is absolutely true that people will say things online behind a screen where they're never said that they would never say to someone in their face. So I think one of the most important things before you get on, and actually some of our social media playbook relates to this, is it's just a bunch of questions to get them to reflect, to say, hey, what is the purpose of the account? Hey, what are some of the things that you've seen? So you could start by saying the purpose is because I love baseball and I want to make these baseball videos. And I love this example, Karen. I I mean, I love this. Um, And then it starts to ask questions about, 
okay, hey, what are some of the things that you've seen on other accounts that seem like you either don't want to have happen to you or you want to make sure that you don't do? You've seen other people post things that don't make you feel good. Just talking about some of what they've seen in the landscape, because I think when you get kids to open up about what they've seen happen to someone else, they're much more willing to talk than when it's about themselves. So having that foundational conversation before they get on is key. Doing what you're doing to monitor that is huge to say, hey, and and I just want to say, I mean, sometimes kids, especially the more and more they get to be teenagers, you know, they seem like they want nothing from their parents, but they desperately do. And so you being involved enthusiastically honoring, hey, this is cool, but oh, there are some risks. I mean, that makes them feel like you are part of this journey. And so you can see those things and comment on them. The third thing I would say is more just around sharing from your own experience, even if he hasn't gotten a troll comment recently, for you to share if you got a troll comment or or about numbers, for you to say something like, gosh, you guys, I released this podcast that I thought was like my best ever. I was so excited about this one. And I don't know why, but it has the lowest listenership I've ever had or whatever. I mean, I'm making something. Hopefully that doesn't happen, right? But to share that thing from your life. Or to share, even if it's not you, but to share, gosh, I was on like at dinner, you know, if you have that space to talk to say, I was on, I mean, oh my goodness, I have seen so much of this. I was on this, I was on Instagram today. I was scrolling through someone did this post and oh my gosh, you would not believe this comment. I mean, my kids are also big chiefs fans. The types of comments that happen in Patrick Mahomes feed, they're unbelievable. And so to take that example and to say, whoa, I saw this today. What do you think? How do you think this make Patrick Patrick Mahomes feel? How do you think he should feel? Should he feel bad about that? I mean, it was one game. Is he really a loser and he sucks and he should be fired? I mean, these because it can help them see that the comments that people make often are so extreme that it's like there's no way that there's truth in that. So that's a um, great example. I mean, for so many kids, especially in this case, anybody who's a, a kid who's a, a football fan you've got to respect Patrick Mahomes right and maybe it's an artist for somebody who doesn't like sports is is you know Misty Copeland you know yes. beautiful amazing ballerina maybe it's whatever your kid likes Thomas the train maybe you know I'm just kidding yes. my son used to love Thomas oh but yes. whatever it might be like it, again this is that's a great idea is is using the role model, the person they love and seeing where they might be experiencing some of this too. And then using that as a talking point for conversation. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is no shortage of examples of trolls or the other side too of, man, I saw this post by Patrick Mahomes sitting in his private. I I actually think Patrick Mahomes does a really good job, Um, but there are a lot of other people and even some of Patrick Mahomes posts to say, man, I saw this post And it really didn't make me feel good about myself. Either it's him working out and it made me feel body image concerns, which I mean, maybe that would be a stretch to say that you felt body image concerns looking at Patrick Mahomes muscles, but you know what I mean? You can come up with something like that. Or um, this really made me feel like I needed to have Louis Vuitton luggage and a custom made suit. I mean, just picking some of the things, especially because one of the things that's so challenging about this topic and why it's about health more than just a rigid set of rules is. Each of us is predisposed to have different types of challenges with social media. So some kids are more, or or with technology, some kids are predisposed to have like legit video game addictions, right? That's just how their brains are wired. Some people are more likely to struggle with body image. 
Some people are more likely to struggle with other types of comparisons. So if you know some of the sensitivities that your kids have, the more that you can even take some of those role models pages and say, hey, this made me feel this way or whatever, it just opens up the door. And the number of time that kids will say, if you say, gosh, this is, this is how this post made me feel, even if it's someone they don't care about, even if it's like someone you follow and be like, have you ever seen posts that make you feel like that? That's the way that they're most likely to open up. And they might even start to coach you in ways that you can then use as backdoor ways of coaching and encouraging them. Wow. I really wish that we could go on for another three hours because there are so many questions I have. And so you've, provide so much rich information here. Um, I kind of laughed in something that, that I read that you guys had on one of your platforms and it was about, you know, I think you called it, there were no books about how to, um, how to expect, what, what did you say? How to expect when you're expecting or something, what to expect when you're expecting and, you know, that kind of play on words there which sounds like it, which is why you guys started this organization to create more resources. Can you just take a moment and let everybody know you've thrown a few things out there about what resources you do have for everybody. And namely, almost all of them are free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our biggest goal is to just help to create new cultural norms, which takes numbers. So the more that we can get this out, they are all available for free. If you want print copies, you can, you can pay for those on Amazon. A couple big ones I'll start with. One is our screen sanity group study. It's basically a book club. You don't need to be an expert. You just need to invite some people over and say, hey, I'm struggling with this in my house. Do you guys want to get together? You can get together once or a few times. And it goes through our key rules of thumb for each session, for each chapter. There are six main ones. There's a video, maybe 10 minutes long, easily produced, nicely produced so that you can just kind of watch it and say, what do you guys think? There are discussion questions in the book. Again, it's like a super easy book club, come together, invite whoever's in your grade or your sports team or your dance studio. This is very big with dance studios. And it just covers the fundamentals of digital health and leads to some amazing conversations. Um, that's really cool. The second one that I'll mention is our social media playbook. And so it, again, you can find on our website or on Amazon, and it is particularly good. I mean, the use case we most designed it for is someone when they're about to enter the world of social media to have that grounding conversation that we talked about, but it can really be used anytime. It could be used, you know, after the Facebook expose, we heard parents saying, Hey, I read about this, the challenges of social media. Let's talk. Let's, let's go through this together. Um, so the social media playbook is one of our big ones. We also do have parent guides, but maybe the final one I'll say is I, I kind of personally am obsessed with our video game decision tree. It is designed. Yeah, it is designed so that you can stick it up on the wall by the gaming system and it helps your kids learn gaming is not bad, but what's becomes the challenge is when they're no longer able to self-regulate. And so it helps to show, okay, here's the way that I, as mom, can say, yes, you can have more time on your game or, hey, this is when I as mom am saying, mm, we got to cut this off. And there could be other reasons, but by helping them to see what the expected behavior is, it helps them learn what regulation looks like. So those are a few when that I, I would say. When I saw that, I was like, wow, this is genius. And like you said, with the, I think it was a, a group of moms that you were with that 
when you don't talk to other parents about a specific subject, you don't know what they're doing. I was like, oh my goodness, you're advocating for kids to have a self-timer. I say to my son all the time, I'm like, set a timer, set a timer. And I almost feel ridiculous doing it because he rolls his eyes at me. I don't need to set a timer, mom, I'll know. <laughs> and I mean, his phone's right there. He could do it. So I I love that. I thought it was a very simple guide and And some of it there, you know, some of the resources are longer with much more deep information. That is really this one sheet where you can put it up and and walk your kids through like these are my line of thinking. So thank you. I will include in the show notes all these resources. So if you're listening and you're driving and you don't have an opportunity to write it down, know that um, they will be in the show notes on this podcast episode as well as on prettywellness.com. So I end my all my episodes with what I call the grateful game. And while we started out this conversation, I think as kind of an information one-on-one, I'm like, let's talk about the digital space and how to parent with our kids through it. Uh, A few key words that you've mentioned a lot, how, how important it is for us to pay attention to our digital health. And the truth is, is the reason I started the Grateful Game was an opportunity for me to connect with my kid and to try out a mindful practice, which ended up, we ended up doing it religiously most nights for years. Now, as he's gotten a little older, you know, I kind of laugh. He goes to bed later than I do sometimes. So, <laughs> so maybe we don't do it at every, you know, every night before bed, but sometimes in the car when we're driving to baseball practice, I'll be like, hey, bud, what are you grateful for and why today? And the importance of doing this somewhat regularly is it becomes a habit. You start to look at the world around you, maybe to go back and to have that conversation with somebody at dinner or at bedtime mm-hmm. or in the car. And you're looking at things around you and trying to be present. It's a mindful practice, trying to think positively of like, okay, maybe I had a hard day, but here's something that happened that I feel good about. And so I am hoping that you will close out this episode by playing with me. I would love to. I'd love to. All right. So I am going to give us 30 seconds. It's super quick. It may be one, it may be two, and I will kick it off saying what I am grateful for and why. And you and I have gone back and forth on this conversation about baseball and how much it means to our families, both of our professional teams that we follow, but also our kids in their day-to-day of making it their life. And I just want to say, you know, while this will episode is going to air in the next few weeks. Today is the first baseball practice for my son's teams. And so I'm super grateful for this community here, both our AAU travel, as well as our Fairfield American Little League. Like I'm going to tear up. We've had such an amazing experience with all the coaches, like these coaches, uh, like literally the coach who first coached my son in first grade called him last year to tell him he made the all-star team and we're both like holding back tears. It was, um, and and then all the coaches he's really had through the system have really helped him build his love for the game, build his confidence for the game. And of course my husband, who is the ultimate baseball fan has been there all along to do that with my son as well. So I guess there's a few um, notes of gratitude there for, you know, my local Fairfield American Little League uh, Mm. baseball organization, as well as my husband, as well as, um, you know, the practices that start tonight. So I'm going to toss it to you because I did just go over 30 seconds. So what are you grateful for and why in the last day to few days? I loved it. And I have goosebumps from hearing you talk about how meaningful that is. So it's so meaningful. 
Um, I will say that I am grateful for one of my kids and their elementary school talent show. He loves to play music, loves it. It's just a natural, like he plays so many instruments. He just picks them up and all of a sudden he's playing. We don't talk about Bruno now on this other instrument. And you're like, how did you do that? And um, so he came home from school a few weeks ago and said, mom, they're doing a talent show. Cause you know, these things haven't been happening for the past few years. And cause I haven't mentioned, he's also incredibly stage fright. Like when he was in preschool every year that they would have their like holiday show, he would be up throwing up during the night. He literally never successfully made it to a holiday show because he was sick. He was so nervous. So take this kid who has this passion for music, which kind of needs to involve performing potentially, but terrible stage fright. And so he came home and he said, I really want to do this show, but I'm really nervous. And I'm, I'm coming up with some strategies. I think, what if I do it with these two buddies? And so they had their first rehearsal this past week. And my eyes were brimming with tears. All three of these boys are boys who would never do this by themselves, but they are finding the strength and connection together. And they are pressing in to something that feel that they desperately want, but that also is scary. So there's a little bit of just, I mean, this is not a hardship in the way that the way I, I even actually shouldn't have said that, but to see the joy through the challenge, to see them press through just, oh, it makes, it makes me so proud. Well, and let me say all hardships, like it's, it's relative to who we are. You know, I, right. I joke around before my, not really joke, haha, but I joke around before my um, cancer diagnosis, like nothing that hard ever happened to me. And I'll make fun of like how, like, I so badly wanted to do this, or I so badly wanted to do that, or I wanted to go, you know, right? Like these little things. But when I was in high school, something that right now I might laugh at was big to me then for That's your right. kids, for these few boys that you're talking about. This may be the biggest hardship that they've ever had to overcome and the resilience that they learn from that or the resources, yes. like the resourceful thinking that they're getting through. I really want to do this mom, but uh, you know, it's, it's, there's been a wall up. They have found a solution now that that might motivate them for all these other things in life. that yes. they're gonna do, Right. Yes. Yes. So, so that's beautiful story. And I can see like, I'm tearing up as you say that because I've, I've been in situations with my son, the similar thing where you're like, wow, I can't believe they kind of came through that. He came through that on his own. So, yes. so anyway, with the grateful game, it is just a way, as you see, you know, you and I have one thing that we're grateful for. There's probably three like sub gratitude items on it. When you focus on a little bit of positivity, a little bit of something that makes you smile, a little bit of gratitude. It oftentimes like, is it going to help cure my cancer? No, it's not. But will it help me put one foot in front of the other and maybe smile and have a good time going through my journey of a hardship and then helping others like enjoy life around that as well. And so that is why we're here with this podcast. I hope that all the listeners have learned a little, maybe laughed a little, because I know like this was a really important conversation for me because it's something that I'm struggling with too. And you already brought a number of resources and ideas and have helped me kind of feel good about, you know, what there is moving forward 
in a place where the, the all these digital platforms have been a bit overwhelming, I think, for me as a parent as well as for many parents. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you to all the listeners. Uh, have a wonderful day, everyone. I'm wishing you a lot of happiness and great health, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you could do me a favor and take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. Honestly, you leaving a review really does help us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And if you tell your friends about us because you love us, they might as well. So let us know your thoughts. Please connect with us directly. We have a ton of fun on Instagram at Pretty Wellness and would love hearing from you. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you so much happiness and great health. Bye for now.